If you'll take your Bibles, please, and turn to John chapter 5. We're in the middle of a very strong discussion. One of the longest speeches that Jesus makes in the New Testament. Uh, And he is talking to some religious leaders in Jerusalem. And he's, he's making a defense of who he is. And we will see, uh, we've seen last week, we've seen uh, today and, and next week as well, that Jesus is making the claim that he is God. Now, there is no way that a man can claim to be God and not make everyone else positively sure that he's a blasphemer. Because that's what blasphemy is. Blasphemy is when a man is putting himself high and God low. But Jesus is God. So he needs to tell me who he is so that I can put my faith in him. So he was in trouble, if you remember, a a couple weeks ago because he heals a man on the Sabbath day. And already that's a no-no. That is something that is absolutely against the rules. But instead of talking to them and calming them down, Jesus is going to escalate. He's going to make bigger claims than that, that the least of their worries is that he is healing or working on the Sabbath. He is actually claiming to be the Almighty. And uh, he is clinching that they will hate him and want to destroy him. And they ultimately will take him to the cross. This is in the middle of his defense. So if you remember, he said that those who come to me, who hear my words and come to me, will not suffer condemnation. They have passed from death into life. That's what he's just read or just said in verse 24. Let's start reading in verse 25. Verily, verily, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father has life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. May God add his blessing to the public reading of his word. He is absolutely declaring to be deity. He is declaring. And if you remember, that's John's purpose. John wants his reader to know that Jesus is God. And he has gone from one person, one testimony, one testimony at a time. Now we look at Jesus' own words. And Jesus, of course, uh, is committing blasphemy or telling us the truth, one or the other. And it's more than his hearers can tolerate. So if you remember last week, the sermon was he was making himself equal with God. That's what they were claiming. That not only was he healing on the Sabbath, but he was calling God his father, which was making himself equal with God. Well, Jesus was claiming that. So let's just review just a couple of the verses from last time. 
Look at 15 and, uh, sorry, look at uh, 17 and 18 for a second. Jesus answered them, My father works hither, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought to kill him, because not only had he broken the Sabbath, but he uh, also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus, we see, is equal with God in his person. That the person of Jesus Christ, the man, is the same as the person of God, the Almighty, and visible spirit. That, that is, that's mind-blowing, that he is in his person the same. But Jesus goes further, okay? He's equal to God in his works. The same work that God does, Jesus does. This is verse 19 and 20. Then answered Jesus, and he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatsoever uh, he doeth, these things doeth the Son likewise. For, the, for as the Father loveth the Son, and show him all things that he doeth, and will show you greater things than these, that you may marvel. So the very same things that God does, Jesus does. That that is what Jesus is doing. So he is claiming... As you watch me, you will watch God. As you watch me work, I'm doing the very same things that God is doing in the same way that he's doing. But he can't stop there. He, he has now gone so far that he has to tell the full truth. So in 21, not only is he equal with God in his person, equal to God in his works, but he's equal with God in his power and his sovereignty. So look at verse 21. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. The Son can raise the dead just like God can raise the dead. Now, God doesn't raise every dead person. We're going to see today that he will raise every dead person, that there is not a person that has ever lived or will ever live that once they die will not be raised from the dead. Jesus will raise every single human. But he is, uh, over the past centuries, up until this point, only very few people had ever been raised from the dead. But God did it, and Jesus is going to do it. He's going to say, I have the ability, God has given me the ability to raise whomever I please because, because uh, of the power that God has given him and his, his sovereignty. He decides to whom he wishes and whom he does not wish. Look at the next one, verse 22. Not only is he equal with God in his person and his works and his sovereignty and his power, but he's equal with God in his judgment. Verse 22 says, For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment to the Son. Jesus is looking at those men and saying, I will be your judge. I will be your judge. You think I'm in trouble? You've taken me to the principal's office? I will be your judge. And so to look at God and know that he's judge is not that hard. To look at this man who looks like any other man. He didn't have special clothes. He did not have a halo despite every Renaissance painting you've ever seen. He was just a man that looked like a man. And as he claimed it, either it's true or not. And we do not even know that it was true. Until the third day after he was dead, he stopped being dead. He raised himself from the dead. That is the proof that he was who he was saying he was. No one else can do that. And then 
continuing. The next one is even, like, if, even if he stopped there, it would enrage them. But he went one step further, which I just think is amazing. Look at 23 and 24. Jesus is equal to God in his honor. Not only in who he is, but Jesus is demanding honor from people the same as they would honor God. 23 says that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth the Son, uh, not the Son, honoreth not the Father who hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say to you, he that heareth my word and believes on him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. So we're going to kind of see that today's passage from 25 to 29 is nothing new. He's not making any further claims. He's demonstrating those claims. So put your eye back on 21 for a second. He's claiming to possess the power of life. And in 22, he's claiming to have the authority to be the final judge. Well, when we get to 25 through 29, he's not making further claims that he's God. He's already made all the claims that are God. There's nothing more God than he's saying that he already is. He's already said it. But he is now saying, he's demonstrating, how, how about that? He's making a demonstration. If these things are true, let me tell you what you'll see as a result. What you'll see as a result is that I can raise the dead. And there will be a time, and now is, when people will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And don't be surprised at this. There will be a time coming when all who are in their tombs will hear the voice of the Son of God and be raised, and there will be a resurrection, some to life and some to damnation. So he is saying that he is a resurrector that his ministry, his primary ministry, the primary ministry of Jesus Christ is that he is to give life. What he's making a claim is that all men are dead. All men are dead. That you're born dead. That all of us are, have this stoppage so that we can't go any further. This is Ephesians chapter one, uh, 2, verse 1. And you... Hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins? He's talking to Christians and he's saying, you are alive because Jesus resurrected you. Now, did he resurrect them in the same way that he will resurrect all men when they come out of their tombs? That, that's a different type of resurrection. So we're really talking about two completely different types of resurrection. Jesus resurrects dead people. And he will resurrect all people. There are two types of things. He's, he's claiming these powers, and he's saying, I have the, I have the uh, ability to possess life in myself and give life to whom I wish, and I have authority to judge. And your judgment will be in a body, and there will be requirement for you to be raised in order for you to go to your judgment. So he's really claiming both of the things he's already said, and he's demonstrating it with resurrection. He will be the resurrector, is what he's saying. Okay. Now, he, Jesus himself knows that pe people are dead. He knows that all men are dead. This is from Matthew chapter 8. 
Jesus said to him, you follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Now, that's pretty good because he's playing with words, of course. Let the dead bury their dead. Dead people can't bury their dead. So their dead means that they're dead bodies. Someone has died and you need to bury them. But who is it that's, de- that's burying these dead people are dead people. I don't know if you, ha- you have to stretch it. That all of us are dead. That we, we have no, there's nothing in us that know God. As in Sunday school, we were talking about that we are blind towards God and that Jesus has to give us light in order to see God. He's the light of the world in that way. He has to give us life that we would know God. We, if you were to pinch a dead body or poke a dead body with a needle, nothing would happen. There is no response. You're going to get nothing. You could poke a dead body over and over. Please don't do that. That's rude. But, but yeah, like, it, there's not going to be an owl. It's not like ow, 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 and I can't say ow. It's, there's no perception. There's no reaction. There is nothing towards God at all. Men don't want God. Men don't, men, men don't care and don't know that they don't care and don't care that they don't know. There is no heart that wants God. There is nobody in line towards wanting God. They are delighting in their sin. They love it. The, the cockroaches love the, the underside of a log. That's just the way it is. All men are dead. Let the dead bury their dead. You follow me. What he is saying is, I'm giving you an opportunity to not be dead. You follow me. Let the dead bury their dead. So even Jesus knows that they're dead. He's now going to resurrect in two different ways. Some, as he pleases to give life, he resurrects and gives them life. He allows them to see and gives them eyes to see and then a desire for faith. Because remember, to come to the Lord, you must have faith. You must have faith. But it's going to be two things at once. Jesus will call you. Jesus will awaken you. He will resurrect you. Uh, Ephesians says quicken you. He will quicken you. He will raise you from the dead. And then you react in faith. Right? Do you remember the rest of that passage? By grace you have been saved through faith. That's the the verse 8 of chapter 2. You who are dead in your trespasses and sins, God has quickened. And then by grace you have been saved through faith. So as Jesus calls into your grave and raises you up, something will happen in you. And you will now go towards God. We're going to see that in uh, physically in chapter 11. Jesus is going to scream into Lazarus's tomb. Lazarus called him by name, come out. And Lazarus comes towards him. Now, Lazarus is basically painting a picture of both of these. This idea of coming alive, coming alive towards God and the idea that his actual body is being resurrected. There will be a resurrection. So the voice of the Son of God is in both of these verses. You have people responding to the voice of the Son of God. And then you will have, in 27, you will have people responding to the voice of the Son of Man. Interesting choice both of them both of them messianic terms both of them claiming to be the messiah the son of god and the son of man and to respond to the son of god is that god is giving you life 
It's salvation. It's the same thing he was talking about with Nicodemus. You must be born again from above. Something from above must come upon you as the same as you weren't alive and now you are alive. You weren't, uh, you, you were, uh, you were not born and now you're born. There was a time when you were not and now there is a time when you are from above. That's the same thing. This, this life that Jesus is giving you, this resurrection is resurrecting your heart. He's saving your soul. And you respond to that. A person responds to life by crying. Every baby. Well, it's the same with you. You'll respond to life by, oh God, I've offended you. Oh God, I've offended you. Do you see that I couldn't have said, oh God, I've offended you, and God said, oh, good good choice, I'll save you. It can't happen that way. He says, Brian alive. And I open my eyes and go, oh, God, I've offended you. Do you see? Because I'm alive now. I, now I feel pain. I felt no pain before. You could poke me and I would never pain. I didn't care. Didn't care. I, I thought it was a mockery anyway, this idea of, yeah, God, right, whatever. No, I, have, I now see what I've done. And now I have pain. It's interesting that God forgets my sins, but I never do. I remember what I've done against God. But God has chosen never to remember that again. He has put my sins as far as from the east as the west, buried them at the bottom of the sea. And he chose that. It's amazing. That unable to respond. Now, Paul goes on to that. A person whose natural man can't respond to God. He's not alive. He hasn't been resurrected. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. For their foolishness to him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. He doesn't. It's not a matter of being smart or not smart. It's not a matter of being educated or learned. It's a matter of are you alive or not? Are you not alive? There's nothing as complicated as a as a moment's dead body. You close your eyes in your final death, and you close your eyes. Everything about you is perfect. Every cell works, every, every nerve works, the blood is still warm, but you're dead. You have no life in you. And Ezekiel said, and he said, prophesy to the winds, O son of man, and that they went breathe into the, into the slain, and they came alive and stood to their feet, an exceeding great army. If the Holy Spirit needs to be in you for you to be alive. It's not just that you know something about God. God must make you alive. He must resurrect you. And we've seen this all through John so far. We saw in chapter 1 that he resurrected Andrew. He resurrected Peter. He resurrected Nathaniel. He resurrected um, all of these early disciples. They now love him. They now are responding to him. They are believing in him. They're putting their faith in him. He goes in chapter 4 to an entire town of the Samaritans. These are people that should never have been ready for God at all. Completely no way, no training, nothing ready, everything wrong, everything in their education wrong. Everything they knew about God was wrong, what they were taught. And they all responded, and an entire town comes to life. He goes into these dead people, and he, they all come out alive. He is a giver of life. And this is one, I'd say, the main theme in John. 
from the beginning of John to the end. He all, if you remember chapter 1, John lays out all of these themes. And then throughout all of his work, he's going to show one theme after another, after another, after another. So this is John 1.4. We read this back in November. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. In him was life. So Jesus had life in himself. Now let's go through. We saw in John 3.15 and 16. John 3.16 we did at Easter. That whosoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believed in him should not perish but have life. Having life is why Jesus came. That is his ministry. Jesus' ministry to us is that we would have life. If he had, were not to give life to us, then he would only have the ministry of being a judge to us. Because he will judge all men. He has that authority. Total authority. God will not judge. All authority was given to the Son. But he has come that we might have life. John 3.36, in that same chapter, He that believeth on the Son hath eternal life, everlasting life. He that believeth not in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So you, you have two things contrasted. You have the wrath of God abiding on you or someone who's alive. Either you still have God's wrath upon you or you're alive because Jesus will be your Savior. When we got to John 4, uh, John 4, the woman of the well, Jesus looks at her and says, Whoever drinks the water I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him shall be in him a well water springing up to everlasting life. That it's towards life that I'm giving you something. It's towards life that I'm working in your heart. That you might be alive. That you might live. Now let me give you some previews. Because this is the theme of John. This is what John is all about. Jesus came to give life. He's a resurrector. He came resurrecting people. John 5, we're going to see this next week. This is in next week's passage, 39 and 40. You search the scriptures, he makes a claim to the Pharisees, because in them you think you have eternal life. You think that you can be smart enough to live forever, to, to please God, because you've studied these things, because you... You know your past perfect participles or whatever. Do you think that it's about being an A-plus student will make you go to heaven? Absolutely not. You, they, these scriptures that you study all the time testify about me. They're talking about me, but you refuse to come to me that you might have life. Why? What an indictment. What an indictment. You are studying the scriptures? The whole purpose of the scriptures is to show Jesus Christ to us. And you are studying the scriptures and you, of all people, are going to go to hell? You know how to read them in Greek and Aramaic and you know backwards and forwards and you know exactly what it says. And you are dead as a doornail like a zombie, unresponsive towards God and not forgiven of your sins. You think you have eternal life through your smarts? No, you don't come to me that I might give you life. Do you see the faith again? Jesus is the resurrector, but you must have faith. You must come to him. You come to Jesus. And as you come to Jesus, you are alive. There is a life that comes upon you. And that is what Jesus is. And he will get great glory because you are alive. Because you testify of Jesus' power and kindness and grace and forbearance. You are a trophy of Jesus. 
don't think he doesn't love you. He values you highly. He will trade a city for you. He will trade a city for you. The, the redeemed of the Lord are loved of the Lord, are precious to the Lord. That is a, that is a jewel in the Lord's hand. Not because of your own value, because of the value that he put in you by making you alive. Because all are going to be seeing you. All the dead people who are smarter than you and know more about the Bible or whatever. And you are alive and that brings great glory to God. When you get to John 6, he is standing there and he's talking, uh, he's talking about the water and he's talking about the bread. For the bread of God, which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And Jesus said to him, I'm the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes on me shall never thirst. I'm the bread that goes to life. I give you life. And then in that same chapter, um, he gives a teaching. And all of his disciples leave. Dozens and dozens of people just walk away saying, uh-uh, not for me. Too hard. And Jesus says to the twelve, will you also go away? And then Simon Peter answers and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Your words are life. Like your words are making us alive. There's no one else to go to. I don't care how hard your teaching is. Make it 50 times harder. I still will stay with you, though I don't understand much. Because you are the one that's life. Then when you get to 10, if you were to ask me, where does it talk in the Bible about Jesus being life? I would say chapter 10 of John. Look at this. The thief cometh not for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm come that they might have life and that they have it abundantly. That's his purpose. I'm come that they might have life. And then it goes on, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I am the full authority. I am God. And I give them life. That's what I'm doing. And then we get to the resurrection of Lazarus. That's the culminator. And that's, by the way, why everybody everybody wanted to see, when they wanted, they came to see Jesus on, on Palm Sunday, there were just as many people trying to see Lazarus because this happened right before that. And they wanted to see the dead man that was walking around town. They know he's here. He, he, just, he just got an elephant ear the, just a minute ago. We, saw, we watched him. And they were like, who is he? Where is he? And everybody's just scoring like, like ants because he was dead. Everybody knew he was dead, and now he's walking around town. And Jesus did it. Jesus told his sister, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he will live. Remember, John, I've, I've mentioned this verse in chapter 20 14 times. His, his, his sentence that is all about his book was in chapter 20. These things are written that you might believe in the name of the Son of God and that in believing you might have life. That is why Jesus came. That is why John wrote this book, that, that Jesus is a resurrector. He is the resurrector. He's the only one. Now, the reason why that there's two resurrections is because look at verse 25. Verily, verily, I say to you, the hour is coming and now 
is. I'm going to read that one more time just for emphasis. I say to you verily, verily, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. So some will hear, some will not hear. Those that, that hear will respond and live. And it says, it, the hour is coming, but is now. Right now there are people coming alive. And we've watched it happen. The woman took her jar and left it at the well. She was alive. She was a moment ago not alive. And now she's alive. There, there are people whose lives are being changed in real time right in front of your face. And it's now happening. So there is a resurrection happening right now. And in a, in a room of 100 people, you may have one, you may have none that respond. They hear the real gospel, the real gospel. Not a, not a polluted, compromised gospel, but the real gospel. And they're glazed over with no knowledge at all, no idea what you're talking about. You'll have one in a family, two in a town. You'll have a small number. But that small number added with every town, with every village, with every country, with every time zone, with every time age will be a, such a huge crowd before, before God Almighty that every tribe, every tongue, every language, every age will be represented with someone who became alive who was dead. Because Jesus has life in himself, he is life, and he gives life. Come to Jesus. You want life? Come to Jesus. Are you dead? Do you have eyes? Those who hear will live. Those who hear the voice of the Son of God will live. That's what it says. Now, do you, do you have a job in this? Do you have eyes to see? Do you look upon him towards life? You put your faith in him. You come to him, and he gives you life. And he gets all glory. You get no glory, but my goodness, the benefit of being alive over the benefit of being dead. Hallelujah that he saved my soul. Hallelujah that I was dead and now I'm alive. Why? Why me? Not because of me. Glory to God in the highest. But there are two resurrections in this passage. The second one starts in verse 27. 26, remember, was the, was the reason. For the Father hath life in himself, the Son has given him to have life in himself. He has life, he is life, he gives life. But in 27, he's going to talk about a different resurrection. So in 27, and hath given him authority to ex execute judgment also because he's the Son of Man. So now we're in a judgment. Now judgment requires a resurrection. Now, the Son of Man is a title. It's, an, it's a title of the Messiah from Daniel chapter 7, the Son of Man. It takes a man to be my judge. God knows everything. He's omniscient. He knows everything. But Jesus Christ was tempted in all points, just as we are, yet without sin. Jesus deserves to be my judge. Jesus was a man who did not sin. Jesus lived as a man, completely tempted as me. But more than me, can you compare my temptations to sin with Jesus' temptation to sin? 
How ridiculous to make a comparison. And I fall at every point, and Jesus never fell. He has the right to be my judge. He is the one. And he will resurrect people first and then judge them. Because what happens to the people who went to the bottom of the sea and were eaten by fish? Who eaten by lobsters? That would be really scary, to eaten by lobsters. Who, what happens if you fall uh, in the house fire and all of a sudden they can't even find your body? Don't worry. God will resurrect you into a, into a body. Now, when you look at, the, at what he's promised to saints, your body will be alike unto his glorious body so that you will be able to completely stand in God's presence unashamed and perfectly, perfectly willing. Don't touch me, Mary. I'm not yet ascended to my Father. Okay? There is a body prepared for us that will be given to us, but all will be given a body. The, the ones to damnation and the ones to, to eternal life, but all will be given a body, and then judgment comes. He's referring to himself. Marvel not, 28, at this hour is coming, that all that are in the graves, all that are in their tombs, shall hear his voice. So suddenly now it's not those who hear will live. All will hear and come out. All will be resurrected. There won't be a single person that evades. When the, when the maker says, come, you will come. When he says, come alive, you will come back to, to a body. There will be a body for you to come into, and you will come. Now, those bodies will be crying out to the hills to fall upon them. Oh, mountain, fall upon me that I might hide from the wrath of the Lamb. But there will be a body that will be there. You will be pulled from hell and given a body and then judged. Or you will be pulled from God's presence and given a body and then judged. And your judgment, hallelujah, fell upon Jesus Christ. You have nothing to fear. There are only rewards with Jesus for his people, not a thing else. You're not going to cry and weep. And you're going to, it might be terrifying to, to face your maker knowing all of your sins, but they're gone. They fell upon Jesus. He suffered in your place. You are totally fine. You will be fine. And there will be delight. And when John says in 1 John that those who see his coming will delight at his coming. When you see his coming, you're not going to freak out. When you see the sky split open, you're not going to be afraid. You're going to be so happy. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Even so, right now, let make it today. Make it today. He said, the hour is coming that all who hear the voice of the Son of Man, the man judge, will come out of their graves. So when, so when you're given a body, this is from Philippians chapter 3. For our conversation is in heaven, and whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may fat, be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things to himself. You'll be able to handle it. You'll be able to look right into the face of God. You right now are in the cleft of the rock hidden 
to see the little ability, of the little residue of God's glory. You're hidden in Jesus Christ, rock of ages, cleft for me. And you can see a little bit of God's glory, and you love it. You haven't seen him, yet you love him. But it's what you love you don't even know. But you will look straight into glory and be able to handle it. Because God will give you the glory, give you the body that can handle that. When, he, when you, if God were to be kind to you like God really is, it would destroy me. It would be too much. I would just disintegrate. But he will give me a body that kind of looked right into God's love and love him back. Because he is a resurrector. That's what he is. He's your God and he will resurrect you. He intends to be the God of his people. He intended it from the beginning. He will get his way. There is no sin of man, no Adam, there is no Israel that can mess it up. You, in all of your bumbleheadedness, cannot mess it up. Jesus will be your God, and he will give you a, a body that can handle it. He will give you a handle it. And there will be a resurrection to life, and there will be a resurrection to damnation. You will, be, you will come with Jesus. When he comes, the dead in Christ shall rise first. So there are two resurrections and the, and the saved people of the world will resurrect before the second. This is from 1 Corinthians 15. For as in Adam all die, verse 22, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, means Christ was raised first, and afterward, they that are Christ at his coming, those at the time of Jesus' coming, those who have become alive, that he's made alive, that he's already resurrected, they will be resurrected, their bodies will be resurrected next. Then comes the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. This is First Thessalonians 4. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So you are going to see, you are going to rise with Christ. You are going to already be with him. Our sweet Anne, my, my friend, closed her eyes and opened her eyes in glory. She right now is awaiting the resurrection. Put it on my tombstone. Here awaiting the resurrection is the bones of Brian Barnett. Because there will be a resurrection. But during that time I will be with the Lord. And then from the Lord I will come with him and then be given a body glorious like unto his. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has prepared and ordained that we should walk in them. Because this passage says that those who have done good will go to life everlasting, and those who have done wickedness will go into the resurrection of the damnation. I'm not judged on my works, hallelujah, but my works will indicate my heart. A person who has been saved will do good works. They will. They will live 
stronger, cleaner, more beautiful. They will do good things in this world. There will be something to reward because God will get glory not just for saving your soul, but also for giving you things. Because all the rewards that he has with you to give you is for his glory because he did something in you. You had the choice of, of sinning against him or not sinning against him because you can please the Lord. And everything that you did in his work, in his will, in his time, with his power, he will reward you for. Now, how is that? That is God, all God. God does that. And those who, who d- live wickedly unto, the, unto damnation. Because out of the treasure, this is from Luke 6, the treasure of your heart brings man that is good, and every evil man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. So when you get to the end, and I, I went ahead and wrote this down. I even thought about not doing it. This is Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne. And a him that was on it, and whose face of the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was opened, that which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And the death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The book of life is a book of resurrected dead people. And you have a day of grace. This is a day of grace. A day which you can open your eyes and respond in faith and delight in it and delight in it. Enjoy it. You're alive. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother James to help us. We have